Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from black magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey everyone, welcome to the 227th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. Brought to you by patrons John Slater and Vicki Goggin. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got our old pal Carlin Hudson back on the mic. Yeah, yeah. She's here to talk to us about taking notes and giving them, a thing that we've all kind of been dealing with in these COVID times where we have a little extra time on our hands. Welcome to the show, Carlin. Why, thank you. Happy to be back. Yeah, can't wait to hear your notes on notes and to disagree with them. Truly thrilled to be here. Can't wait to have you disagree with me, which is one of my do's and don'ts, to be honest, but we'll get there. Ooh, spoilers, spoilers. Carlin, you know what's so fun? You are, I think, the record holder of the most guests or most uh, times on the show. And somebody recently emailed the Just Shoot It account and was like, Hello, Oren and Carlin. I would love to be on your show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've never oh. seen Matt be more offended. <laughs> I didn't say a word. Especially <laughs> since he does all of the work. You said a word. <laughs> <laughs> and it started with F and ended with... so funny. No, just I'm not too worried about making fun of this person because I'm pretty confident that they do not listen to the well, show. Well, they listen to the episodes that Carlin's on, so... <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. it. Which is, uh, you know, it's not bad advice, you know. Thank you so much. Yeah. How, how have you been? What's, what's going happening? on? I'm doing awesome, making more money than ever, seeing tons of friends. Life's great. <laughs> no, I'm, fi- I'm fine. I, I have a shoot next week, which is pretty cool. I did get permission to talk vaguely about it. Oh, really? Oh, nice. I Who did. do you... Question for the group. Okay. Because this is actually, in my many, many years of trying to get a job, I've always not been unsure about like who I'm allowed to talk to and who I'm not allowed to talk to, especially if there's a production company or a commercial or it's something that's coming out in a few months or celebrities or something. And I know your project has a little bit of, you know, there's obviously a company behind it. There's talent that has some relevance outside of what you're making you know yeah people would be protective about the image of 
the people you're working with. Like there's stuff, sometimes we work on things where it's like Snapple doesn't want to tell people that they got, Mm -hmm. you know, Terry Crews to be in their commercial until it comes out. It's going to be a big surprise. So you can't post pictures from set of you and Terry Crews and a Snapple. Yeah. I I just texted my producer and was like, yo, I'm on this podcast. Can I talk about this project? She was like, sure. Just don't say the band's name. And I was like, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I am. Uh, I, it's with the, it's with Imposter, the production company. I'm allowed to say that. And have you worked with them before? You know, I had booked my biggest commercial to date the week before lockdown with them for Lexus. Oh wow! Woo, yeah. But it was with Imposter, and so yeah, they've started. I, I think we talked about. I left my last roster in February, January, I don't really remember. And so I've been working with a few production companies and one of them is Imposter. And are you exclusive with them now or no? I'm not currently. Mm, nice. Yeah, but this is like a mockumentary series about a girl pop group. This is the one that you're working on now that you're shooting next week. Yes. That's cool. And it's when you say mockumentary, is it scripted? It's lightly scripted. It's not I, it's not that the girls have lines, but there are definitely scenes and story beats. And are they actors? Soft scripted, I like to say. Soft scripted. A scriptment is in place. Um, they are absolutely not actors, but one of them is a star. There's Because we shot the pilot, and then we had to get the pilot approved by the label before they paid for the next four. And I mean, I went into this no. I, I, it's been a minute since I've directed non-actors, and so I was pretty nervous because it's hard to get people who aren't funny to be funny. I mean, especially yeah. when you're asking them to improvise, right? Yeah, I mean, was, they have to say things in their own words and not did. be aware of the camera. Yeah, and so it was more. Although this, they could be aware of the camera because it's a lot. It's a lot of like playing to camera. So the, it's, yeah. it's it's a it, lot of Jim Halpert looks, exactly. a lot of shrugging, like whoa, boy, my friends are stupid. Exactly. So um, we just kind of leaned into like these girls are so young, so it's sort of like leaning into the awkwardness of them, and you know, it it has been challenging, but it's but I think the product is frankly a lot better than we would have hoped, we would have thought. You oh, know what I mean? Good. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's ha- cool. How long are the episodes? Like five to seven minutes each. And they're launching pretty soon, so like in a month. How do you come up with like a plot line for a five to seven minute episode? Because you're, you're involved in the writing also. I am. I finally got to hire, after they greenlit the next few and were like, we're going to shoot these in a week. I said, <laughs> not without a writer or not. Like, please, God, <laughs> let me have someone to help. Because yeah. they had ideas based on the, the girls' actual lives that they sent. But a lot of them are like, they're funny, but there's no way we could do that. They're them. premises or something, maybe. But or someone, no... so-and-so loves cats. What if we yes. you know, have right. her right. take her cat on a leash or something? Yes, right. and we're like, mm-hmm. actually, like, COVID is a lot. So... <laughs> They're like, huge house party. No, COVID. <laughs> I know. Um, everyone's exactly. making out. No, everyone's COVID. making out. Super PG series. Everyone gets together with their tops off. But uh, it's been quite a process because they send me their ideas, I'll send them ideas, then we get notes, then we have to rework it. But is there like something in your brain, not for this specifically, but in general, and Matt, I'm curious what you think about this too, because Squaresville was like 10 minute episodes, right? They would range. The, yeah, they would range between, some were super short. We did like short episodes and then super long episodes. How do you figure out like what size story fits in five to ten minutes you know 
Or, or is that not something that you're consciously thinking that just kind of works out? Because I feel like a lot of times I hear people pit like non-writers pitch ideas and they'll be like, I got this idea. It's like my friend. He's so crazy. He's like this hilarious real estate guy and he comes to your house and he'll just like start insulting you. And like, I just think you should make a movie about him. Like, well, that's not a story, right? That's the <laughs> trick there, right? So it's I, my rule was always that I had to know what my characters wanted and what was keeping them from getting the thing they wanted by the bottom of page one. Full, full stop. And that was just kind of like, if you can get that done, even if like there are other parts of the you know exposition that you need to kind of work through in the next couple pages, if you know that, then you can drive through the rest of the five to seven minutes you need to get done. Are you guys thinking of things like as acts? Like, here's a setup, the premise, here's like some complications. We think we solved the problem. We didn't. We're sad, and then we found a new solution, and then it's resolved. Like that type. Well, of Well, that, that's the other thing, right? Sorry, Carlin. I know you don't. I can speak to the series that I'm doing. We don't have time for that. But each episode does have a cold open. Then there's a problem established. There's a complication, and then it wraps up. And there's kind of like series long jokes and narrative arcs that are also peppered in, but it's pretty minimal. I mean, it's like. Not a lot happens in five to seven minutes. Yeah, you you get three acts, not five, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who he he's an editor. I think he actually just won an Emmy, but he used to edit this show called Big World Little People. It was on TLC, I think, or I heard some of that one. channel. It's about a family of you know little people, and they were coming up with things to do in each episode, right? And so one episode, they said the Internet's not working and the kids have to use the white pages to order a pizza. And that on its own, like you can already see like all the complications sure. and things. Yeah. And sometimes I think there's certain plots that just lend themselves to being so easy to figure out. And like, you know, obviously all these, these very funny things can happen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think a lot about that because in commercials, you know, I'm sure we all get this. Like you have 30 seconds and people are giving you like five minutes worth of of plugs and beats you, they want you to hit. And it tends to make for bad commercials. <laughs> yeah, and then you just... see like a BMW commercial and it's like just, you know, a woman driving down the road. And you're like, wow, that's a commercial. Yeah. I mean, be, I feel like our job is often convincing people to simplify because it'll make the product stronger. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. And then they think it's boring. Well, they just... Oh, or just they feel like, oh, I, my ideas need to be, you know, actualized in some way. And there's six of us. So we all have to... That means that there's at least six ideas. And uh, there's 30 seconds. Minus yeah. a t- run card. Well, speaking of, of that, of like getting feedback and pushing back. Um, I know we, we were going to talk about notes. And Carlin, you made notes about the notes you're going to give about notes. I love notes. Love them. Well, so we've talked about notes a lot on the podcast before, and there's notes at every step of the process. And I I know it's a topic we've explored a lot, but it's only because part of our job as filmmakers is to show people things and see how they feel about it. I, I would second that also with the, the reality that like if you're a professional writer, especially, but also a director in general... The job is taking notes, right? You're going to hear things that you agree with. You're going to hear things that you disagree with or even things that you like in the moment are mad about and defensive about. And then, you know, you realize six months later, you're like, oh, I don't even know why I was so upset about this whole thing in the first place. And so uh, being smart and gracious and in the moment, I think are all 
the traits of a professional and also a thing that the sooner you get better at, the more successful you will be. I think so too. And it's also just worth mentioning that it takes a lot of practice to get notes. And the more you get them, the better your reactions are that you can control and the, and the better you can kind of filter like what's helpful and what's not. So I think people forget that just like filmmaking, receiving notes by being rejected or anything else is like, it just gets easier. So I feel like because I had a feature through essentially the studio system in the past year, I, I sat in like meetings where five people in suits for three hours at a time would tell me what they thought about my script. <laughs> and, just and just crazy. just to contextualize it for people, like this is a script that you wrote on spec. You It was your baby. You figured it out. You cracked it. You did the thing where like you sent it to your friends and like you read it out loud and you did all of the stuff that a screenwriter does to get it ready. Yep. And then a company was like, Carlin, you're a genius. We love it. Let's make this movie together. And then a bunch of... Then I had a year in development or more, maybe a year and a half. And now we're going out to studios. Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. But development is basically notes. Yeah. It's basically notes. And so is that kind of the point of view that you made a list of kind of do's and don'ts? Is it from the point of view of someone writing a feature? Yeah, except for when I was making this... I guess six principles altogether. It totally works for movies too, because like both of you, I've had features that I've received notes on and that's a very similar process. I think receiving those kind of notes too. Yeah. I guess with a feature, I'm trying to think if there's an equivalent to a script and I don't know if there is, but with a feature, there's a lot of times you'll send a feature to someone and you'll say, Hey, the music's not done yet and the visual effects aren't done yet. And we still need to shoot a few shots and there's some weird text. So th- there's like a lot of caveats with like a short or a feature or anything that I don't know if they are as common in scripts. Maybe you'll say like, oh, I still need to research exactly how the subatomic mi- missiles work on this Apache helicopter. So I just have like a placeholder there. But in general, this is, you know, but usually there aren't a lot of, there isn't a lot of context necessary, right? You can just give someone a script and you can say, and you know, yeah, unless it's based on think. a true story or something. But even yeah. that shouldn't, you shouldn't need that context, right? You shouldn't, but I think it's also important to remember that no matter where we are in our careers, the script is not going to be ready at the first draft. It's not really ready at the 20th draft. It's not really ready until you're shooting. And so in that way, it's like a living, breathing document that's always changing. And so as a notes giver and receiver, you should also be aware that this is a work in progress. Do you think it's relevant at all if you write a script, if the people reading it know that you're also going to direct it? That's a good question. I've read a lot of scripts that I feel like, you know, there's a lot of screen direction and the kind of camera stuff in there. And I tell people, like, I know you might direct it or might not direct it, but like, I don't want to read your blueprint. I want to read a story that is fun for me to read, you know? I think that no matter what, the screenplay has to be fun, right? Like whether you're quote unquote directing on the page or not. And I think that from an executive perspective... I'm not always certain that, I'll take it back, any reader, I don't know that when you're in the middle of like reading a script and really absorbing it, that you are are really conscious of what's directing versus what's good screenwriting. And so it doesn't matter. Just like write a good screenplay, paint the picture in someone's mind, and that's that's that, you know? I agree. I I do. It's so interesting because I think screenwriting formatting trends are changing all the time so 10 20 years ago if i was an executive and i got a script that's like close on blah 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 i'd be like this is garbage but nowadays 
actually, there are tons of scripts that get, that get made from writers who aren't even directors that have that crap. So style, like, it's so interesting reading scripts now. There's so much style and voice in at this screenplay document that used to not be there. And that's just kind of trendy now to have like the writer's voice more active. And also I just to go on a tiny rant about it, that drives me a little nuts because now like as I've realized kind of, I let my muscles atrophy a little bit writing wise. And like I'm back in it in a, in a more meaningful way now, thanks to the, all the time we've had with the COVID. And so I'm like digging in on like, how formatting has changed and like what makes things sexy and fun and i when i used to write for myself where i wasn't worried about who was reading it beyond the craftspeople who were collaborating with me it was a lot easier and like as a director who's writing visually sometimes it can get a little sparse and, and a little uh lacks the verve or, or poetry of of what it takes to get sold now and like so the I the thing that I'm writing now, my wife read and she was like, You gotta beef this up. It just has to be more fun to read, basically. My script, who I can the one that I've been talking about that's in development, uh, my producer Alex Madigan, like the best notes giver of all time, she 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 signed on to produce my movie and then in our first meeting she was like, You know, your writing is just so engaging. I loved it. You said such a I'm turning the pages, but the second time I, I read it, I realized that I was so interested in your voice that I didn't realize the story had a lot of problems. <laughs> and I was like, what a nice compliment. And, and I was like, real Oh, burn. okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was just a funny way to be like, Oh yeah. I, I did kind of nail like my voice as like the type of comedy that I was writing, but I had story problems and, and she, she was right. But it was it was like a nice compliment wrapped in a, a pretty intense criticism. But you know we worked yeah, through yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, but if someone is telling you they are your script is a page turner, I feel like there's no better compliment than that. You know, and that I I'm like into those gimmicks and the you know yeah unless they're like oh there's story problems right I don't know for me the voice is harder to find than the story you know fixing story issues I don't know I think they're both like I think you're naturally gonna be better at one or the other. Like, I, I had to learn structure, but I, I inherently knew how to have style, but I've spent, like, you know, we talked about this. I, I love talking about this. Like, I, it's, I spent years studying screenplay structure because that's what I needed to figure out how to do. Well, so what are your do's and don'ts of notes? And this is receiving, right? This is re- receiving. Yeah, notes. I think this is receiving. I mean, it's all kind of like goes hand in hand but like i'm we sure were, this this insight we will unpack into every version of re- giving and receiving totally and, and like we were saying offline i think because we're not shooting as much as we normally are i think all of us are receiving more scripts and hopefully reading more and getting more notes so this is kind of a good time to do this i think i have read many many more scripts i actually was reminded of how much i don't like reading scripts really <laughs> COVID. yeah feature script it's just I'm like not a fast reader. How long does it take you guys to read a feature if someone sent it and, and they want notes on it? Uh, well, the notes process, you know, I think we've talked about before, it's work. So like if you're noting something and they need help, you know, Could they be don't four just... four hours. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's like, to me, if I look, if I'm reading a Charlie Kaufman script or something and I'm like engaged from page one, then yeah, of course it's fun. But... Most of the scripts that I'm reading are not Charlie Kaufman scripts. You know, they have good stories, but all the characters have similar names. You know, like things that make you work as a reader that don't actually matter on screen at all. 
but that are just laborious. And I, I read probably like four features <laughs> over COVID and I'm like, that, I, I'll read your short script, but like features, I'm just, unless it was like a friend or, you know, someone, but because we have the podcast, we had a lot of people sending us things to get notes on. I'd much rather give notes on a short, even that can take me like two hours. Yeah. And I, I, before, and my caveat before I get into these is this doesn't include stuff like typos. That drives me bananas. Well, do you Just... think that stuff is important? Because Absolutely. I, yes. do you yes, guys give is. people typo notes? If they, let's say they had 30 typos in their script, would you say, hey, you have a typo page? Eight typo a page typo page. shows everyone that you aren't taking this seriously. Or at the very and least, so, that you didn't proofread your script before you had me spend four hours on it. Which is another way of saying I'm not taking this seriously or not showing you respect, frankly. And as a person who is really bad with that stuff, like I, 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 I am the worst with typos. I will look at a word 60 times and, and on the 61st time realize, oh, shoot, this has been wrong the entire time. So, like, my heart goes out to people that have a hard time with that. But, like, find a proofreader, pay a proofreader, figure it out. Like, you you cannot, like, one or two little slip-ups, like, deep, deep in, you know, on page 45 or whatever, people will overlook. If you have typos early on, it indicates that you aren't doing your job right. And more, and almost more than that, to me, it pulls me out of the story. Because when I'm reading, I'm thinking about how is this working as a film? Like, What's, where's the character at? What's their emotion? Where are we in the act breaks? Whatever. But if there's typos and I'm noting typos, I'm just like, damn it. I can't even talk about this character's art because I'm just correcting little typos and it's frustrating. Yeah. There's almost layers of notes you're giving and sometimes they get a script that kind of needs so much help that I'm starting at the most, the surface layer, which is like typos, you know, and yeah. then character names and like your scene descriptions are and like you're and I don't even have time to get into the important stuff, which actually might change all the other notes that I gave, which is like, you know, there's no ending to the story or whatever is missing. You know, you know with those, I've actually started to just tell people flat out like, hey, thanks so much. Um, I, I, I read through page 10 and I realized there are already 12 typos and you have some formatting issues and. I would love to read your script once you figure that stuff out. And I'll just mm, tell people, that's like... Baller. That's baller. That's my dream to say something like I that. I ain't got people. time for this shit anymore. I'm just, like, done. You know what I mean? Because... So you've really said that to Absolutely. I, I, you and know, what I, do they, how do they respond? Usually they're thankful. I mean, I'm sure people haven't responded to me and I forgot. I mean, I've only done this, like, three three or four times. But um, one guy, I, I basically had to be like, you need to take a screenwriting class. I'm not reading this. <laughs> I just, this is not, this is so beginner level. And here's the thing. I'm not useful at a beginner level feature script. I'm just not. Like there are people who are really good at that. And I'm just, what, just not Whether you are or you aren't, it doesn't matter. It just like the script isn't ready yet. And I'm not the person to go to. Like yeah. go to someone yeah. else. Go to like your other friend who's also at the same level as you to get notes on those but do not come to a professional and i'm not even like that great you know i'm not like john august or anything i'm still pretty lower level but i but i'm just like i can't read those scripts and i just won't do it anymore yeah it's made made me think you know i watch a lot of tutorials especially about like visual effects and graphics and things and a lot of times you watch a tutorial here's we're going to do a tutorial on how to make photorealistic buildings or something. And they always start off with like, look, this is intermediate. We expect that you understand how the interface works, understand how lighting works. They give you a list of things. And like, I almost wonder in screenwriting, people never get that list, but they probably should, they you know, should. like, Hey, this is a screenwriter at, that is a working professional screenwriter. They expect that, you know, 
you know structure that you've read you know but also Plato there are literally thousands of books that are all affordable you can get yes. a copy of story for 395 no, on amazon used or whatever you can yeah, read but like, two feature scripts for free online and reading those you're like oh i understand how format works yeah but even if you need it spelled out yeah because, because there's a lot of those little things like we're talking about now like where you if you read you know somebody masterful who just understands everything about the way that they are formatting and structuring a screenplay they're making it look so easy that it's hard to see what they're actually doing you know but but you're right still read some screenplays read some screenplays read a book or two and then you spell check yeah. Uh, as like a bare minimum basically but i want to get into let's let's go from the the beginning those kind of sloppy mistakes characters named melvin and marvin they're going to be confusing you can't scan through that i want to hear carlin's dues yeah so if you have like a a working screenplay and you want notes here they are number one is listen actively so this is like a bigger picture just human being level sort of note but I do think if someone has taken the time to read your work or got, you know, say it's in development somewhere and someone gives you a note, you have to listen to them and you have to make them feel like their note is being heard. And that is so important. Like just being in a relationship with someone, a friend, anything, like you just have to make them feel like you're taking what they're saying seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And also it's not totally equitable, but the amount of emotional energy that you invest in creating a screenplay they do reciprocate in some level in thinking, reading it, and then thinking through how to make it better. Like their jobs are on the line. If they don't make your movie better or your TV episode or whatever, eventually they're not going to have a job anymore. So like they're still, they're investing themselves in you as well. So yeah. And when it's, when it's not a professional development thing where there's like money, when you are just asking Carlin because you emailed her or whatever, for feedback realize that she also has an emotional investment in how she's going to deliver these notes too it's not like you just read something you're like yeah this sucks sorry you're like thinking here's it at least with me and i'm sure with you also you're like well here's an issue is it really an issue how would i approach this issue what are like examples of ways that this has been overcome before you know like and we know how hard it is too yeah, like, and how do you deliver that right yeah yeah yeah. It's super hard. And I think the good news about this note is you can practice it every day. <laughs> it's like if you live alone, if you live with someone, if you're on the phone, you can practice actively listening every single day. And, and it, what do you can you be a little more specific about like how you would practice that? Yeah, I mean, for example, tonight, my girl our our like thing in our house is whoever makes dinner or the other person washes the dishes. And I go in the kitchen about an hour ago and my girlfriend has made this like insanely elaborate meal. And I was like, okay, but now I have to do all these dishes. And I'm like kind of mad that this is our rule. And then she... You're like, yeah, you like, couldn't have gone with the SpaghettiOs, honey? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I literally made one thing in a Dutch oven yesterday. It's like you had one dish and here we are. Anyways, so I started getting grumpy and then she started talking about how all basically the unseen labor she does around the house and while i like well you didn't see me take out the trash or i did all of this and instead and my inclination was to be like well i also vacuum and i also blah 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 but instead i was like okay i'm gonna stop what i'm doing and look at you and nod and hear you and make sure that you understand that i 
am listening. And I and I like I I understand your concerns. You're showing her that you're listening. Yes. Yeah. And so that's yeah. a way that I can practice my partner. And I'm not always good at it. You know, it I takes have a, a funny uh, example also because it I. Carlin, did you ever go to like any sort of like youth leadership programs or something like that? Where did you learn active listening? Probably meditation. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah. it's because it, it's something. The term active listening is like putting in a name, uh, qualifying like a thing that people, some people naturally are like raised to do, and some people need to be taught. And I was certainly a person needed to be taught, mm. uh, but uh, practice it as best I can. And on a podcast, Ooh. active listening is both important to engage a guest, but also bad audio. And so there's a lot of like, mm-hmm, yeah, no, that's, yeah, mm-hmm. Unless you mm-hmm. like The Daily. Fascinating. The New York Times sure. The Daily, he's always saying those noises. I kind of like it. Long yeah. form, <laughs> they, long but form they're interviews, edited it's tricky. In yeah. a way that makes them feel charming so apologies everyone on my um oh that's so interesting so yeah even those little vocal cues on a podcast aren't always effective as they are in real life at least they're effective in the conversation we're having but they're not fun to listen to as a listener exactly yeah if if you're in the middle of a, a great you know uh, screed about giving notes me going mm-hmm it can be a little distracting <laughs> uh, totally Sweet. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. i mm-hmm. see wow so smart anyway carlin that's great listen wow one down yeah. thank you so much okay here's my second do ask questions but i'll the caveat to that is ask neutral questions such mm. as Tell Why me would more. you suggest something so dumb? <laughs> right. Uh, that's a stupid fucking no. Why would you ever say that? No. <laughs> um, stuff like, when did you, like, say, or in your note was like, I just didn't understand midway through your script why Caitlin did what she did. I'd be like, oh, interesting. When did you start to feel that way? Can you tell me more about that? Just questions that are kind of like slowly trying to draw out of the notes giver what they're talking about. And here's a little insider tip. Oftentimes, if it's not a good note, they will talk themselves out of it in that moment. They'll be like, actually, you know what? Never mind. And you're like, thank God. Right. Moving on. Because it, but isn't your instinct to say, well, did the fact that she, you know, slammed the door when she left the house not indicate that she was angry? Or the fact that she parked, like crashed in the mailbox when she parked not indicate she was angry? Maybe, but how I would word that is I would say, interesting. I put on page 10 that she slammed the car door, but it, you may not have heard, or but that may not have been clear. So thank you for pointing that out. And I'll go over that and make sure it's more clear. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that the thing that's easy to miss when someone gives a seemingly dumb note is that even if they're trying to prescribe something that misses the mark and you can tell that, they're getting at something that you don't see. And figuring out what that thing is, and maybe it's like, oh, shoot, I'm just going to put the door slam in bold so that now it tracks a little bit more. Or maybe it's something bigger that you really do need to fix. You know, maybe it needs to be a door slam and then, you know, she slams it again three more times for emphasis, you know, or something. Who knows? I don't This is a bad screenplay. But <laughs> but what I'm getting at is like, you know, that uh, 
they're they're flagging something and even if they don't know what that it is that they're trying to flag it's kind of your job to figure that out and neutral questions are going to get you there in a way that's pleasant yeah it's like having i'm sure we've all heard or if not the listeners will now know the whole notion of what's the note underneath the note what's the note yeah, under the, the note, note? Behind the note what does that even mean what do y'all think that means I'm asking you seriously. What that term means, the uh-huh. note behind the note? Yeah. I mean, I always use that Walter Murch example as like the perfect metaphor when he says, when you go to the doctor and you're like, you know, my wrist is killing me. Like, what's wrong? You've got to do surgery on my wrist, doctor. Like, check this out. What's, something's wrong with me. And then the doctor analyzes you and realizes you have like a pulled tendon in your shoulder and it's affecting your wrist. So a problem up here that has seemingly nothing to do with your wrist is really ruining the feeling in your wrist. So that's kind of like... The note behind the note you're saying like you don't like that she slammed the door but really you feel like this whole fact that she's mad seems unnatural to you because what happened to her was not that bad it's happened to all of us and you can't you're not connecting with the character but you're complaining about a door slam you know like can't you just close the door gently it's funny you're bringing up all of these we're talking about notes and it's been a long time since i was since you needed any notes. Since I needed a single goddamn <laughs> note, everyone. No, um, since I gave notes. Professional, like I was at Comedy Central and we would, you'd have to note things all the time. And my notes were oftentimes filtered through a handful of other people. But I would be on those calls. But what's unique about a experience like that, separate from maybe a more traditional development experience, is that our talent were, we had hired because they are very funny, most of the time stand-ups. So, like, have they spent the time that Carlin has studying structure and film craft? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe they're just so funny, and so jokes on the page are going to land, but there's no structure to an episode, and therefore there's not a reason to watch it. I remember this interview with Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo on, like, NPR or something, and they said that they had this idea of like, you know, bridesmaids are just like so crazy. And they had this idea for a movie about bridesmaids. They just wrote like all the funniest scenes ever they could think of. And they sent it to like Judd Apatow and he... The original title was Bridesmaids Be Crazy. <laughs> was it really? No. Oh, oh I've totally <laughs> believed you. I was like, wow, yeah. of course it was. And then Judd Apatow was like, um, you guys need to read this book called Screenplay. <laughs> by William Goldman it will tell you how to structure us and they they were you know she was on SNL and there was all this but they were very funny they knew how to write incredibly funny scenes but they did not know how to structure a story yeah but they figured it out clearly but I think to to bring it back Carlin your point of like if someone is giving you a note and you ask neutral questions then you can kind of get to the bottom of like what they're trying to say and maybe that illuminates you know, something about your process. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a story issue. Do you think it's ever valuable to ask them really specific questions like, well, would it would that have made sense to you if you knew that this happened earlier? Or what if I thought of maybe, I had the scene that I removed where she stubbed her toe on the way into the school. Do you think putting that back in would make you feel better about this scene where she's angry later on? I think or you could, think you could really say that, but you they're going to be like, oh, yeah, baby, try it. That's what they're going to yeah, say. Yeah, that, that's what they're going to say. Which is, yeah, which is fine. Good. Like, you know, if you want to throw in one of those and make an exec where your friend feel good, then like, fine. But we're not to the don'ts yet, and this actually isn't even one of them. But I, I, I have made the mistake, too, of 
telling someone that I would do something and then and then I would later on be like why did I promise to do that when I actually don't agree with that so this is later on and actually I didn't write this down but I don't I, I just if you phrase it that way say I could try it but don't promise because you don't really know until you try it if it'll work I must have told this story in the podcast before but the impression that people had of me at Comedy Central they would go it's great <laughs> that was the mad and low impression and it was because the no came mad and low impression that meant someone had asked me an idea and i knew that i couldn't tell them how stupid i thought it was <laughs> and so i would be like, yeah that's i love it so your voice because they really were my high. boss my my voice would get really high and i'd say that's great you're like a when cartoon I, when, character lying yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yes, and then your nose would grow <laughs> yeah incredible yeah. Um, okay, what's note? Are we on note three? We're on note three? three. This one is rather practical and simple. It's just take notes. Take notes. That's it. When someone is giving you notes, whether on your computer or written down, take notes. And I think this does. What if a they email you the notes? Do you do you have to retype what they wrote? Yes. No. You don't have to do that. Um, Would you be in favor of recording the conversation? Can you say, "Oh." I'm- Hey folks, we're interrupting this incredible episode of the podcast to tell you about a new sponsor that we're working with, Front Row Insurance Brokers. One of the challenges of being a filmmaker is that there's a lot of risks that we take and we really just want to focus on making good stuff. So what if there was a company that could take those risks, manage them for us while we are being artists? That's right. Front Row Insurance Brokers arranges film production insurance to cover the risks associated with your production. They cover features, TV shows, documentaries, commercials, music videos, webisodes, basically anything you can watch on big media or phone-sized screens. Yeah, Front Row will help you focus on your artistic vision by transferring all the risks to them and minimizing your production hazards. And they cover any budget from $2,000 all the way up to $200 million. There's nothing that's too small or too big. If you are shooting in Canada, use coupon code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF for 50 bucks off your film production insurance. That's promo code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF to save 50 bucks. And if you're shooting in the U.S., that same code can be redeemed offline by mentioning it to a broker, by email, or over the phone. It's like a cool password if you're in the U.S. That's just shoot it 50 off. Check him out. Let us know how it goes. We're doing notes. Can I just record this? Because I'd like to reference it later. Yeah, that that could work. I think my second tip, though, for making the, the reason that I think taking notes on your computer or on a piece of paper is also helpful is just the act of writing it down gives you a moment to 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 focus inward and not be defensive too so you have kind of a moment to be like okay and pulling myself together continue you know it's just kind of like a little cheat to just distract yourself that. yeah that, and you're so also good. already starting to make it like test out that note in your brain you know as you write it down yeah and also on the take notes front so say you record it whatever meeting this is if it's a, if it's an important project to you and hopefully it is if you're receiving in-depth notes but i always take a few minutes to just like even at studio meetings about notes and I I sit in the lot in my old Prius and I get out my laptop and I I like furiously type everything that I felt in the meeting and my big takeaways because I'm not always going to remember that the next day. Yeah. The brain dump is the brain dump. So yeah. yeah, So like when the studio lot guard comes knocking on your window, Miss Hudson, you've been here for three hours. We know you don't have a job here yet. Get out. I was going to go with lady. (laughs) 
Miss Hudson. But yeah, Miss I don't know Hudson, why yeah. he knew my name. Is that your license plate? It's uh, Lady Hudson. <laughs> also, I think you guys are depicting uh, <laughs> the the guards at studio lots as much more active than they are. Yes, they just sit in the booth. That's they all they do. Ju- they're on their phone the whole time. <laughs> they're nice, usually. What? Yeah, but they're, but they're not why keeping an eye on Matt onto studio lots. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Bad mathing the guy. He's well known to be like, great. <laughs> yeah. Great, great. Good luck, guys. Um, okay. Well, but last thing with the taking notes, number three, taking notes, it's, um, I also think it's important to sleep on the notes and then see how you feel the next morning. You know, I think maybe a little bit of like at the end, like showing a little gratitude, I think is kind of a version of listen, you know, but I think that in the stuff that you're talking about later, I think if you've done a good job of all of the do's and don'ts, I think that, you know, just kind of finishing it cleanly and like saying like, hey, you know. Thank you. Because it's hard. And I think people understand that taking notes is hard. And so, like, if you're gracious about it, I think that goes a long way. Absolutely. One of the people I'm mentoring right now, actually quite a few of them were were so thankful and immediately wrote me thank you emails or thank you texts. And, you know, we all give back to also feel better about ourselves, just like giving to charity. Like, you give to charity because it's the right thing to do, but also because it makes yourself feel good. So when someone reaffirms that, like, you're a good person for giving me notes. That makes you feel good. So that is that is important. That's Just good why manners. That's do the podcast, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's why I'm on. That's why I'm your most frequent guest, because I love feeling yeah. good about myself. MFG. Is... We're getting you <laughs> a nice plaque. Um, I, I thought of a do to add, which is I think a lot of times you'll start getting notes from someone and you quickly realize that they just don't get it or they don't understand what you're going for or they're not someone that is watches indie film or whatever it's like your mom and you're just like no mom you don't get like no that and like it's not going to be about an alien yeah. just because you're on an alien kick right now yeah but that i think it's important to realize that all notes actually have value and regardless of who's giving them to you whether it's a professional like carlin or someone like matt i think there's something that's really interesting even if they really hate your script but they're the type of person that should hate your script. You know, I don't know if you remember Gossip Girl back in the day. They used to their ad campaign was quotes from like these mother these groups of mothers that were trying to boycott the show, and <gasps> they were like, genius. "This show will ruin your child's minds" or whatever. And they would put those quotes on like a picture of like two characters making out or something on a bu- on the side of a bus. And so, like, you're learning your demographic while you're getting notes, and also even if they're not a film person or they've never read a screenplay before or anything, you're getting honest reactions from people. And so there's just value, you know, I I think there's much more value to the reaction than there is to the uh, solution. Like if they're like, Oh, you should do this or you should do this. There is usually not as valuable as like, I didn't understand this. And so if you don't agree with notes, like with, or with, if you don't like the person that's giving you the notes, don't dismiss their notes. (laughs) I think. Yeah. My only caveat to that would be, you do need to be thoughtful about who you're asking because, like, I wouldn't send... It just You have to be mindful about who you're sending the project to because it depends on what that person's tastes are, what their level is, what their whatever. It, it's just... So if someone... Yeah, I just think it's important to be mindful of that. And, like, there's some people that I won't send certain scripts to because I know that they're not going to be able to give the best notes for that project. But there might be a different script that I write that might be good for that person. Right. You know, I think we've talked about it before, but it bears repeating. There's also, there's a category of person, and I'm sure everyone listening can think of this person immediately, where 
they're quite bright and they really care about movies and all of this stuff. And they maybe they probably taken a couple classes or read a couple books, but they don't really know what they're talking about. But they might be, but they might be really persuasive and passionate. So you want exactly. to you want to listen to them, but they're not always the right person to listen to. But they're they're so loud, and and they are the one. They're the most dangerous. Those are the people that can do the most damage because they know just enough to be persuasive, and that is a thing that you know just kind of comes with experience. I think mostly. And you have to trust your gut, and, and it, they really throw a monkey wrench into the process of learning how to stick to your guns versus being open to notes. They are they are the problem in a lot of ways in terms of just your own personal growth towards taking notes better, basically. Just to build on what you two are saying, I just want to amend my note, my note, which is I'm not saying all notes are good, like you should do all notes that people are giving you. I'm just saying that just because the person giving you a note, and, and I do actually, thinking back on it, think this applies much more to like a movie or a short film than it does a script. Because scripts are hard to read for people that aren't familiar with reading scripts. But like if you show someone a movie or a short and they're like, well, I don't think this character, I didn't like this character or whatever. And they've never even watched a short before. Like there's something that made them feel that. And like there is this like an emotional reaction that you were trying to instill with like your work. So even if people don't know how to communicate it, like the fact that they re- had a reaction is interesting. And to me, the worst thing ever is when someone's like, oh, I loved it. It was great. You know, that's like the most useless note. <laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> I do It's basically the only note I get. <laughs> I've never gotten that. I also sometimes <laughs> think that the more notes that I give something, that does not mean that it's it needs more work. It means I'm more invested. So if I give you a lot of notes, that often means that I just think it's worth noting a lot. Yeah, and if it's, or you're avoiding something else. Yes, exactly. In your life, <laughs> yes, yeah. you're procrastinating. So you're that's just every day of my life, though. So that doesn't it's always doing that. <laughs> um, actually, I have one more tip, just in general, before I get to the don'ts. Oftentimes, you'll get a note that you absolutely do not agree with. You're going to take the note, you're going to listen carefully, and you're going to go home, and you're going to be like. Or wake up the next day and think, this absolutely does not work. I know in every fiber of my being this doesn't work. But if it's a job, what I say, and lots of people say this, is I say, if they come back, I'm like, what happened to the, on page three? I told you to put the watermelon in that scene. You're like, thanks again for that note. I tried it. It doesn't work. But uh, thanks again. And like I think I addressed in these other ways. But you always say that you tried it. <laughs> and that's the key to getting around notes that you know will not work. Do you think notes that are like, especially when people are saying something isn't working in your movie and you like totally disagree with them, but you can't stop thinking about it and you're very sensitive and emotional about it. Does that ever happen to you where you're like, ah, that note is right, but you so don't want it to be right. Oh, all the time, all the time, all the time. No, will be like, you know, I think in act two something and you're like, fuck, that is a problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, what's worse than, taking that note like hearing that note and then taking it and making your script better not getting into the film festival you wanted not getting the funding for your film or your like people walking out of the theater saying that your movie sucks that's so much worse than like taking a note getting your feelings hurt then getting your feelings hurt yeah so much worse yeah and and oftentimes even though i just told people to use the cheat of pretending like they tried it i usually do try it unless it's like a completely idiotic note 
at least in an outline phase, I will try stuff. Well, and Carl, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're in the the privileged situation of like most of the notes you're taking are from people who are very smart and have worked very hard and have probably made some things. Yeah. So there's a good reason to listen to them. Yeah. I, right? I mean, yes. Yes and, and no. I mean, I, I do think a lot of people in development, while there are a ton of smart people, there are also people there who I think don't get it. And so you're going to get a mixed bag. Yeah. Certainly I had, I've been a part of notes calls where I knew we were making things worse. Oh, and that's really the thing to avoid. How do you not make your project worse after getting notes? Yeah. And I guess it's just by not giving up. Yeah. It uh, is really hard because at some point you're like, well, I'm just going to do it because that's how we get to the next phase. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because I think that that makes it like a battle of wills. And that's not, it's not us versus them. I think that like when we were younger, we thought like, oh, studio notes are so dumb and so bad and so antithetical to my art. And none of that is true. Right. Like if you sign up to make a studio movie, we're all agreeing that we are trying to make something that appeals to as many people as possible and hits this, the mark that we're all aiming for. And maybe you don't see eye to eye on what that actual mark is. Right. And maybe some people think that it's more broadly appealing than than not. But for the most part, you're all signing up t- to make a thing that's going to be on you know, Netflix or Disney plus and like millions of people have to like it. So like pretending that that's high art and that's your like passion project. It can be both of those things. It should be both of those things. That's why we moved to Hollywood. Like our tastes align with that work enough that there's plenty of room in the Venn diagram. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't mean just fight until they give up. I mean, like, if you if there's an issue with your project and someone's like, oh, just write this, that we'll be happy with that. And we can move on to the to start casting it. And you know that their solution is bad, then you can either just write their solution and move on to the next project, which is, like, honestly what happens in commercials a lot. Like, 90% of the jobs, like, hey, they need another shot. And like, well, if we put one shot here, would that work? They And they go, yeah. And you know you've kind of ruined the commercial, but they're happy, you know? Or you can try to figure out how to accomplish what they want, but in a way that is like has some artistic merit. You so you're know, saying you know. persevere. Like I think I agree with that. Like it's your night. Saying like it's exhausting. It but is. If you don't give up, like you, you know, you just told us you've taken like two years to get to where you are on this one project. Like if at some point you're just like, fine, I'll just add this character because you know, Megan Fox said she'll do a cameo. So I got to write her character, you know, whatever it is, it's a lot of time that you invested to not get yeah, the but thing that you think is awesome. Here's the thing. I've written two or three scripts that have not seen the light of day. Like I didn't even share them with people because they weren't good enough to share. But do I regret writing those scripts? Absolutely not. They taught me how to write screenplays. So whatever project you're on, you persevere, you keep going. If at some point you do pick up another project and put that one aside for a while you're not giving up and you've learned so much like every script that you're going to write you're going to learn a ton right i guess i'm just saying have conviction you know on your on your stuff because it's really hard to do it when it's people really, are absolutely against you <laughs> anyway okay so what shouldn't you do don't hilariously my number one is don't be defensive because you were defending your note a little bit and i applaud you because you do have to defend i think it's not that you can't defend 
your work at some point because obviously we all have to do that but it's don't be defensive in terms of like receiving the notes i I don't know how to explain that better maybe one of y'all can in the moment even if you disagree with a note listen to it you don't have to say yes i'm gonna go do this you can say things like i get that yeah let me think about that let me noodle on that let me process that and in people know sometimes if it's a big note that really is a like a a big change to your idea you know i think it's okay to say like i hear you i'm gonna need a little bit of time to think on it let me get back to you yeah right i'm gonna give you an insane story and this is like i don't know anyone who listens to this podcast that would ever do this but when i was still living in austin there was this guy who like begged me to read his script and i didn't want to do it but he finally dropped a printed copy off at my doorstep So I started reading the screenplay. It was 200 pages long, by the way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I get to page... So extra good. (laughs) So extra Eight point font. Yeah, yeah. I get to page like 40-something, and the only woman that was introduced... No, it was was maybe like page 70. It was like pretty deep into the script. The only woman Does he want you to direct it or just know it? He wanted me to produce it, which I told him, I don't really do that, but fine. I'll read your freaking screenplay. So I get to page like 70-ish, I think. The only woman that was introduced at all was, for some reason, being mute on purpose. Um, and <laughs> I stopped reading the screenplay at this point. And I, when he called me to talk about it, I was like, hey, you know, it's just not really for me. Like, as you know, I'm pretty passionate about making movies with women in them who talk. Uh, And And he's like, did you read page 71? Yeah, and he yelled at me. And he was, yes, he did. He yelled at me and he was like, how dare you not finish my screenplay? It is super feminist. The lady comes in at the end and she's like one of the main characters. And like, it's awesome. Women are awesome in my movie. Like, how dare you stop reading it? And I was just like, whoa, dude, you were, this is so crazy. It's just such a crazy response. But after I tried. And you were like, now, now that you mentioned it, I think I will produce your movie. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But it was just like, that's obviously an extreme example, but that's kind of a good example of like, say I had finished it and he would have been like a normal person. Still, by saying to me, no, actually, there there is one woman and she's a cashier. And on page 23, she says, thank you, sir. I do not say that. That's not appropriate. Especially if you're trying to get somebody on technicalities. Like, you know your screenplay better than anybody else. So, yeah, you do know that on page 23, X, Y, and Z happens. But what the note within the note, right, to bring it back, you're saying, hey, this doesn't, fe- there's an element missing. In this case, the voice of a female who has any sort of agency, right? But that, whether that's literally true or whether it just feels like it's true, that's an issue with your screenplay to this particular reader and probably most people who would ever see the movie. Yeah, and like, look, I'm fine with movies about dudes. Like, awesome. I love dudes. I love you guys. I have no problem with that. But I just feel like I was just saying, me as a person and my taste, I'm not interested in being part of a movie with no women in it, especially women who are apparently just like props who don't talk, you know? Uh, anyways, that's... Well, and in a broader sense, when you're defensive in the conversation, that shuts it down, right? And then there's no opportunity to learn more, to follow up in any way. Yeah, and you don't want to give, you don't want to continue giving big notes, especially yeah. if someone is defensive after your first note. Totally. Yeah, and that person could have a lot of important things to say. And look, it's hard. It's so hard to 
you know, it hurts no matter how good you are at taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. Because always inside of all of us, our deepest desire as artists is to go into a notes meeting and have people say, you're a genius. This is incredible. You did it. It's perfect. And that's never really going to happen. But deep down, we all want that to happen. <laughs> you know. One time it happened to me. Ah! And... And I was like, oh, this is great. And then I realized, oh, they just didn't read it thoroughly enough. There were problems with this. They didn't, like, they, it was just like, oh, they, you were just in a rush. And then the, the company went out of business. And, the, <laughs> and it was super yeah. deluxe. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, boy, how many times could we riff on that joke? <laughs> I think with you, Matt, to me, like, my experience in, like, going into the room and, like, I, I never expect anyone to say, oh, this is amazing. But Matt, sometimes he tells me, he'll <laughs> be like, I'll now. make something and he'll be like, you know, I don't think it's as bad as you think. And to me, that's, that's, like, my greatest compliment. That's incredible. <laughs> that's, like, what I, that's what I dream of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. You see the flaws that other people won't see. Yeah, I definitely yeah. see a lot of flaws in my stuff. Well, the flip side, I mean, I think we're lucky that we can send it to our stuff to people and be like, hey, is this as bad as I think it is yeah. or Matt, not? Matt, you do that a lot, too. I know, because I... And I'll be like, I, this is... I should not put this on my website, right? And I'm like, oh, I'd put it as number three in position Yeah, three. exactly. Well, because that's... And also, if you were like, hey, don't, don't do it, you know, like, don't put it on your website. That's important as well. But, like, because, you know, the flip side of after you finally made something and you know, like, oh, I only had half an hour to get this shot and we cut 16 different things and like they kept flubbing their lines so we're cutting around this and I put dialogue on their back and all all of the the, the baggage of making something that is really hard to separate from and so sometimes it's hard to you know know whether the work is worth showing people or if it's horrifically embarrassing and like you know you want to just move on so like should I put this on my website or not that's what's nice about films and shorts and you know if you played south by southwest you know like yeah i should put this on my website <laughs> that's true i remember one time tim nakashi said you're only as good as the worst thing on your website and i love that i think about that a lot and i that reminds me to go through my website okay next don't next don't don't argue for the sake of arguing or i guess to put it simply don't debate it's not an appropriate time to debate and it also goes hand in hand with the listening because if you're not listening, often you're already preparing a defense. And so that's not the thing to do. You have to practice not doing that. But do there you is think... There's no way to win. There's no way to right. win. Right. Well, but do you think sometimes people just miss something, like a really important thing that changes how they would feel about everything? And it's worth saying, you know, like you do know that she only had one leg, right? When she was... You say that with a neutral question, you or you you point out the thing like, "Thank you, Oren. I'm not sure if you caught this. If not, this is great to know. But on page fifty, there is this scene. Do you remember that? Tell me more about that. And then he could tell me, and then you'll decide from there. But there's a way of getting through it that's not like actually, uh, W. <laughs> yeah, and also maybe you just well, need it's to hard tweet. to not call people dumb. <laughs> you could also just be like, oh, like let, let me take a look at how I introduce the fact that this character doesn't have a leg. Tweak it a tiny bit. We are making the wildest screenplay together. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Slam! Slamming don't try doors. slamming the door with one leg. I mean, that's right. That um, would be that's a comedy scene, I, I guess. Okay, cool. So don't don't be defensive. Don't debate. And here's my favorite one. Don't forget the big picture. And this is a two-parter. The first part is to know, like you were saying earlier, Matt. 
unless you're a sociopath, you're there because you want this person to make a better movie. And that's, that's the thing. It's like all of us are involved in giving notes, receiving notes, because we want to make a better movie. Not even necessarily a better script, but what's beyond the script. Like people want to make good films. And so that's, that's really important to remember. And then the second part of the big picture is personally, why are you telling the story? What got you interested in the first place? That big picture. Because those two things are going to guide you through the whole notes process. Yeah, no, those are good. Those are all really good notes. Any don'ts to add, Matt? I think the defensive thing I'm just going to double down on. Because, again, everyone gets it. But like, if you come across as a person who's closed off, then at a certain point, people get, will give up on you. And then they just move on. They just find a different project, you know? whether that's your friend and like they're trying to get through to you and you're not going to listen to them or an executive, like they'll hire somebody else. Like if they love this movie, like we'll just get someone new. That happens all the time. Yeah. I've been involved in projects where they're like, well, we think this writer could only take it this far. Same. Yeah. I guess the, like a very minor don't I would add is something that kind of bugs me sometimes is I will spend these four hours reading a screenplay and, send you know five pages of notes or whatever uh over email and then not get a response no that's happening or like i'll get a response like a week later or something and i'll be spending that entire week worried that i've offended somebody you know so just like don't forget to you've kind of covered this but like acknowledge that someone has like spent their time to give you notes especially over email i think is where it's the most it's like the easiest to like, oh, you know, I'll email them back because they send me a lot of notes and I want to process them first and everything. But just like send the email that says, hey, thanks so much for the notes. I'm excited to read through these and process them. Thanks for your time. Even if you hate all the notes. I just think realizing what a big ask it is and what a big, you know, what a privilege it is to have some people like spend a lot of time thinking about your work. I would say also kind of the flip side. I think giving people the benefit of the doubt and knowing that the skill of giving notes is quite hard. And so what, you know, if they're kind of missing the mark a little bit, or if they're not, this is a common one, but they're not good about talking about the things that they liked, especially up top. Like if they, you kind of have, you know, we're all sensitive artists and we want to hear that things are good in some way and that there's your film isn't complete trash but then you know then get into the things that are going to get fixed so like sometimes people aren't going to be good at that and so that's easy to let your feelings get hurt don't let it bother you too much they're just trying to help they're just trying to figure out how to make your movie better in ways that they can and i think as your community grows and you are trading films with people and scripts and all of that i think that that just gets a little easier this guy I know that has written a lot of big Hollywood studio films, he would always say that when you're in the room, if someone gives any suggestion, you should just say, like, that is amazing. That's a great idea. Why don't we do that? And then we can do this and this and this. And then you just pitch back whatever you want to do. Um, and that that seems to work <laughs> on a lot of people, like acknowledging they had this great idea and then just kind of convincing them that your idea is their idea. Do you ever do that? Or is that not, is that not cool? Anyway? No, I think that's cool. I think that's just hard to do well. And so that just probably takes some practice. But I... And also you can't do every time. You definitely can't. So maybe this guy is like a really like jazz, cool, excitable voice. And like that may work for him. He was a child actor. See? There you go. That, that doesn't work for me. But what I'll do is I will repeat what the person said to me slightly reworded 
and then move on. So at least they know that I did hear them. I see you're saying on page 76 that you'd rather see this happen. Thank you. Awesome, Carlin. Thanks for teaching us the do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts of taking notes. I had too much fun on this one, obviously, since I took notes myself before talking about giving and receiving (laughs) notes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, that's if you're ever going to be a guest on our podcast, you have a much higher bar now that we've had a guest actually prepare an outline for <laughs> our podcast. So there you go. I heard that yeah. I was the co-host, but you know, that's yeah. fine. I could be a guest. <laughs> you are the most co-hosty of all of our <laughs> by far, guests. by far. Thank you. Thank you. But yes. How can people learn more about you and keep track of your crazy exploits? Yes, I believe I'm most active on Instagram at Carlin Hudson or occasionally on Twitter at Hey Carlin or my website, CarlinHudson.com. Well, Carlin, are you cool to hang out with us for one cool thing, as you call it, or what we call unpaid endorsements? Yes, I can do that. Unpaid endorsements. Okay, so I have an unpaid endorsement, and Matt's going to be so annoyed by this because I just cannot stop talking about my That's my new PC. Every, but that is every endorsement you've ever given, you've told us about for hours before you give it to us. So That's just your brand. I love it. I'm like an endorser. I don't know. You are. I, should, uh, I, I would like to know if listeners are interested in Oren's PC building and Blender <laughs> tutorials. Oh, boy. Because oh. I am a huge fan of Oren doing it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not convinced it's premium podcast content. And so I put it at the end of the wrong. show, okay? If you want to do an advertisement in wrong. this slot, it's practically free. Um, so... I have now a PC and a Mac, and I don't want to have like a keyboard for my PC and a mouse for my PC and a keyboard for my Mac and a mouse for my Mac. So I bought this new keyboard. It's called the Logitech MX Keys, and I'm showing it to Carlin and Matt. And it has three buttons here, and if I press one, it's connected to my PC. If I press two, it's connected to my Mac. If I press three, it's connected to my MacBook or whatever else. That is legitimately cool, and and I think usable for people who have more than one computer yeah even if you have like an iMac and a MacBook or anything but it connects with any like even an iPad let's say you type on your iPad and then you want to use the same keyboard for your PC and I bought it but I haven't received it yet is there's a mouse called the MX Master 3 also from Logitech and it does this incredible thing where if you have your mouse cursor on your Mac and you just move it over to your MacBook or your iPad or your Windows machine it will automatically make the keyboard control that machine. So wherever, whichever screen you have your mouse cursor on is the computer that the keyboard controls. Um, and they're wireless and they're really good. Like they're easy to type on, very functional. Um, they're good, like even if you only were using them with one computer. A little expensive, I think, for if you only had one computer. But um, it's I've been really worried about switching to Windows. And this is like one of the things that's helped me make the transition a little smoother. But in general, a keyboard that can control every computer in your house is pretty rad. And they're wireless. It comes with like a wireless thing and Bluetooth, so you can connect either way. That is pretty cool and a pretty on-brand foreign endorsement. Just wait, you guys. Just wait. Carlin, what you got? Well, I'm uh, I'm off-brand myself this week, and I'm not endorsing a hippie book or meditation app, so you're welcome. I know. I need some more of this. <laughs> I know. There's only yeah. so many meditation apps you can try, but I've tried them all. Um, my endorsement is This May Destroy You on HBO. Oh, yes. I keep meaning to watch it. I hear it's like heavy-ish. 
I would say the themes are heavy, but the execution is not heavy. I actually think it is, I guess it would be called like a dramedy, maybe. Uh, there's definitely a lot of comedy in it, but the, the themes and what she experiences is, is intense. But it does, she just avoids so many tropes and breaks a lot of the rules of TV storytelling in a way that sparks discussion afterwards. It's pretty messy. Like, like characters act in ways that you don't expect them to. She isn't that like... She makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, it's just a really... Co- every character is super complicated. And the discussions my partner and I are having after every episode, I think, are pretty remarkable. I, I love it. What more can you ask for, right? Yeah. There you go. I guess it's like one of those shows that I've been trying to watch, but my wife keeps not wanting to watch. Not not because it's that show. It just it's always wants to watch something late. Totally. Um, and it's so I'm just wondering if it's a show I should just basically watch on my own. Um, I do think or it's I, cool. I, should to, wait I think for you her. should wait for her, honestly, because I, I do think it's a show that you want to talk to people about. Even if it's somebody, one of your friends, you, you just will want to talk about it. Cool. Yeah. Well, I, I will check it out for sure. Well, as promised, here's my on-brand and low endorsements. I've got two. Let me guess. It's uh, your Skype background of a bookshelf is actually not really there. No, that'd be so good, though. One is Kelly Reichardt is on uh, Bullseye. She talks about First Cow, and it's a really wonderful interview, not only about her filmmaking process and all of that, but also kind of gets into the sort of stuff that we talk about on the show of what it means to be an artist and, like... You know, she's gotten a little bit older now. She's kind of uh, in a different place in her career. She's thinking about what it means to make small independent movies and also make a living doing so. And so it felt like, oh, this is um, if uh, Kelly Reichardt was on our podcast. So, Kelly. And First Cow is a movie. Yeah. First Cow is a movie. Yeah. So, uh, Kelly Reichardt makes, you know, very small, intimate, like oftentimes period pieces, you know, like. Not exclusively, but the first cow is a period piece. It's like kind of like an American Western sort of vibe. It's like, and then Meek's Cutoff is also on the Oregon Trail. Uh, uh, Wendy and Lucy is the Wendy and Lucy is is about a woman who loves her dog and can't find it. Yeah, and that's um, the plot of the movie. It's kind of sparse on plot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say rich in story, which is interesting. You know, like the beats are feel sort of low. They don't feel low stakes because she cares about this dog very intensely. It's yeah. very high stakes. Just like John Wick. Yeah, just like John Wick. Mm. Yeah, there's a, a, not as much murder, but, you know, we can't all be perfect. Um, <laughs> so that's one. And the other one is, do you guys know what finger limes are? Finger limes are a small Australian lime that's about the size of, say, your pinky toe. They're, like, little. And they're really hard on the outside uh, are harder than a normal lime, but you cut them in half and then you squeeze them, and like little, you know, like a regular lime is like made up of like a little, like packets of juice. You know, like the, like the pulp is just kind of like little tiny pieces. Imagine if those pieces were more solid and little balls. So it's like you're squeezing out like kind of a tart lime, like almost caviar-like substance that you can put on anything you want and it's great where do you buy these precious limes we got them through our csa box really we were like what's finger what are finger limes and then we looked it up and we've been putting them on smoothies and like 
it's it's a way to like make things feel like fun and tropical and crazy with just a little lime okay it's great that's cute it's so fun love it listen i'm i'm on board i've been inside for 144 days <laughs> so i'm excited about limes is what i'm saying guys oh also uh, in our research on them we were like what are what's the deal with these finger limes they are resistant to the citrus uh, plague that's happening in florida Hmm. Like they're they're like in Florida, like orange groves are getting like raised by the acre because like there's like a pandemic of of citrus there, and they've realized that oh, something in the DNA the citrus of these finger limes. I've been hearing it wrong this whole time. Oh yeah, no, uh, but it's for real. Um, Damn. Anyway, uh, these limes may hold the key to uh, saving our uh, orange juice. Hey. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any thoughts or comments, want to know about notes, want to give us notes on this notes episode, email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. Or drop us a voicemail at 2626-SHOOT1. Yes. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at Just Shoot It Pod across all social media. I'm on Instagram at OKaplan and Twitter at SmiteyPileg. I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media. This episode is edited by Sarah Weirda. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.